Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I trust you and your families, your households are doing well. And, uh, you know, I just had a little thought I wanted to share with you. I've got friends in Oregon and, um, and you hear about the wildfires going on there out of control. Then there's fires in California. And uh, then you hear about unrest on the streets in different parts of the country and uh, you know, you've got all kinds of things that are going on. But, uh, uh, you know, we, and it's like this, that many times people, even those who are not uh, in those areas, they panic. People are just afraid of bad things happening where they are. But uh, you should remember two things. Firstly, always believe God. Always have faith. Always pray that wherever you are, God will keep you safe. Whether you're in a good area or a bad area. There's a scripture, it says, the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and he delivers them. Always trust God that no matter what, where you are, what is happening in the world around you, God is more than able to protect you and me. That is, that is the first thing. The second thing is that when I woke up this morning, I immediately began to pray for my friends in Oregon, especially I was thinking of them. It's good to take time every day uh, as the Holy Spirit reminds you to pray for your friends, pray for your family, relatives, and people who you know who are in difficult places. Always take time to release and exercise your faith and pray. And I was, as I was praying, the Lord was saying to me, pray with faith. Don't just give a cursory prayer, but, but pray with faith and believe God for the best for your friends. So it's very important that we do that because we are the body of Christ. We stand together with our friends and they stand together with us. So let us pray for one another. The Bible tells us we must pray for one another. We must believe God. And these are turbulent times, but it is in turbulent times that faith comes to the fore and what we are made of really comes to the surface. Praise God. Anyway, we are continuing to talk about the call of God and this will be lesson number 15 in the subject uh, of the call of God. And today I'm going to talk about, uh, yesterday we talked about the, uh, the seven motivational gifts that are listed in the book of Romans. And these are for, for the supportive ministries in the body of Christ. And so uh, this, but this next thing I'm going to talk about applies to both supportive ministries and to fivefold ministry gifts if we are going to serve God. So, uh, you know, the, here's the thing, uh, and, and I call these uh, serving with the gifts of God, how to serve with the gifts of God. Often there's a concept that, uh, that if you are in the fivefold ministry gifts, there are very high standards of integrity and other things that are expected of you. But if you're in a supportive ministry, character doesn't matter, how you live doesn't matter, it's just you serve. And many churches, uh, they just you know, take anyone who wants to serve without checking on their character and how they live. But these things are very important. These things are important, not just for apostles and prophets and, uh, and evangelists and pastors and teachers, but they're also uh, important for people who work in offices in the churches, those who clean floors, those who serve in the cafeteria, parking lot attendants, all these supportive ministries in the church. These things are important for them also because there's a reward for us when we serve God. Uh, all of us who are serving God, there are rewards for us. And it is important that we serve with integrity, with, uh, with, with high standard of character. Anyway, so we are talking about uh, uh, serving with the gifts of God. 
And the first scripture I want to share with you is 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. And this is what it says. As each of you has received a gift, and I'm reading it from the Amplified, so because it gives you a fuller uh, depth of meaning of the scripture. <coughs> Sorry. As each of you has received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment, employ it for one another as befits good trustees of God's many-sided grace, that we are faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor. So God wants us to be, as we have received a gift, you know, to serve God, let us let us let, let us use it to serve one another as good trustees, as good stewards of God's manifold grace. That means that we are faithful stewards of the diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by un unmerited favor. So you see these, these favors that have been, uh, these uh, uh, gifts uh, and powers that have been granted to us, they are given to us by God, and uh, but they are His. So, and we steward them. It's important that we are faithful steward. A steward is a person who watches over something that is not his own, that watches over something that belongs to something else, uh, that belongs to somebody else. So these gifts that God gives to us, they are not ours to own and to do with them whatever we like, but they are bestowed upon us by the Lord and they belong to him and we just carry them, take care of them as stewards and we use them on his behalf to benefit other people. We should always remember that because the reason I'm saying this is that many people, they use the gifts of God for personal gain. Say, for example, there are, I've noticed people uh, who have a strong gift in praying for the sick. Well, the next thing you know, they're using that gift to uh, to gain mileage for themselves. They're using that gift that God has given them to get to accumulate wealth and become famous and become, uh, a, you know, get a position for themselves. And this is wrong. When God gives you a gift, it is unmerited favor. It is not given to us uh, because of because we have deserved it or we have earned it, but it is given to us by God and it is given to us to serve others. So if I... Uh, you know, I mean, I pray for the sick, cast out demons, and that is uh, something that God has put in my life. But I'm very aware that it is not for me to use that to accumulate wealth for myself. To you know, you don't you don't sell the anointing, or if I'm putting it, if I can put it in a very crude language, you cannot prostitute the anointing for your own gain. It is the anointing and the gifts of God are given to you and me so that we can serve others and they are for the benefit of others and we can't take the gift that God gives us and build a whole circus around it, build, build a big ministry and organization around it and the whole object of it is so that we get as famous as possible and get as much money as possible. That is a total misunderstanding. The gifts are of God and we are 
stewards and we use them to benefit other people. And as we benefit other people, God will take care of us. He knows our needs and our desires and he will make sure that you and I get everything that we need in this life. I mean, I've been doing this for years and God has been faithful to us. He has been good to us. So it's very important that we understand that these gifts of God that are bestowed upon us, they are given to us to steward on God's behalf. And as we steward these gifts, we actually serve others using these gifts. We serve others in a manner that benefits other people. Hallelujah. And as far as our needs and desires are concerned, we we commit them to the Lord and he takes care of us. So it says, verse 11, uh, uh, so it says, Who's, whoever speaks, let him do it as one who utters the oracles of God. Um, whoever renders service, let him do it with the strength, as with the strength which God furnishes abundantly, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ the Messiah. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever through endless ages. Amen. So be it. So these gifts are to benefit others and to bring glory to our Lord Jesus. Now, so to serve with the gifts of God, we have to develop and grow in the following uh, qualities. Firstly, is character. Character, that's the number one thing where we have to grow and develop if we are to serve God with his gifts. And character for me, it begins with servanthood, being a servant. And, uh, you know, um, let me read this first. Luke 22, verse 26. Luke twenty-two twenty-six. 26, it says, But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governors as, uh, governs as he who serves. So it says that let it not be so with you as in the people of, uh, of the world. He who leads or he who rules, let him be as one who serves. Now the servant, the, the, the concept of servanthood, <coughs> people in Western country don't understand because you don't have servants. Where I grew up, we had servants. We grew up as servants in the house. And one thing about, you know, there's several things about the servant. The servant lived to serve his masters, masters being the people he served, the family who he served. He knew he was the servant and it was his job to serve them. He was the first one to, or she, you know, if it's a female ser servant, the servant was the first to get up in the morning uh, and wake up his, his, his employer. And then, uh, yeah, you know, he used to do everything, wash his clothes and wash the employer's, employer's clothes and iron them and polish those shoes, have everything ready so that the employer gets up and he, the master gets up and, and, and takes his bath and then he goes to work. And that's, uh, that's what my dad did. And then the servant, the rest of the day, he'd be cleaning, he'd be, you know, doing whatever needed to be done around the house. And then when he, in the evening, he'd be waiting for his master to come back and he'd take off his shoes and socks and and uh, massage his feet and, and help him get into more comfortable clothes. In fact, a servant he lives to serve his master. And so, we, you know, servanthood is uh, watching 
And as I remember those servants who served us in our family, uh, uh, you know, we grew up there. We had up to seven servants at a time. In fact, the bigger, the more wealthy the family, the more, the greater the number of servants you had. So, you know, I grew up watching servants. As I, as, as I look back, it make you know, I, I understand what it means to serve God and to serve God's people as servants. And, um, and, and because we live in a culture where we don't have servants, so sometimes we begin to act like masters over God's people. We are not masters over God's people. We are servants. So whether you're in the five-fold ministry gift, you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, don't carry those roles, these titles with a lot of glory with people serving you. Now, when it comes to people serving you, now, let me just say this. It is very important that God's people serve the servants of the Lord, the ministers of the Lord. It's a good thing to serve them. I have always, um, you know, like when my pastor and I have been overseas, I love to carry his Bible. I carry his suitcases because he's my pastor and I love to serve my pastor. And when I serve my pastor, I'm blessed. So it is good that we serve uh, the men of God and the women of God. It's a good thing. But at the same time, it should flow the other way that, that the men and the women of God who are being served, they don't develop an attitude uh, of entitlement that people should serve me, that I, that I love to be served. And that is why sometimes when I go to churches and, and you know, uh, the pastor picks me up from the hotel and drives me up. And there's a whole entourage of people waiting. Uh, one guy wants to carry my Bible and the guy opens my door and the guy, I don't like this. I don't, uh, it's good that they want to honor me as a man of God, but as a man of God, I come there as a servant. And so what happens is that honor and respect has to flow both ways. So um, people, you should honor your pastors. You should honor the men of God who serve you. But men of God who serve people, you should not enjoy or develop a, a feeling of entitlement that you have to be served. And if, if people don't serve you, you get offended because you're used to being served. So it has to flow both ways. So uh, servanthood flows both ways from the people to the men of God and from the men of God to the people. Servanthood, service and love has to flow both ways, okay? So this is very, very important. Servanthood, develop in servanthood, develop with an attitude of serving people. And doesn't matter how high your position is in the ministry, never think that it is beneath you to serve people because they're God's people. I mean, um, we know, uh, a lady uh, who lives not far away and just an ordinary church members, uh, member and my wife has become friends with her. And when she had her, um, you know, she, she was in her pregnancy, one of her pregnancies, she has had several children and the doctor told her, you need to rest for several months, otherwise you might lose the baby. There were things that were wrong. And praise God, she had a healthy baby. But during those months, I remember my wife, she would get up early in the morning, go to this lady's house and get their children, feed them breakfast, dress them, send them off to school. And she would do this lady's washing and cooking and help her. We did this because, uh, you know, just because we are in the ministry doesn't mean we are above all these things, we have to serve people, serve ordinary people. That is a part of our calling as servants of God.
Amen. So uh, develop and grow in servanthood. Whether you're called to be an apostle or a prophet or evangelist or pastor or a teacher or just working in a supported ministry, learn to be a servant to people. Not just a servant to God, but a servant to people. Okay, humility. Humility is... Uh, means to be small in your own eyes. That's what it, for me, that's what would mean. And, um, you know, I was very close to uh, um, Reverend Kenneth e. Hagen, and, and, and people were, you know, people know him for his faith and all that, and which is great. He was a man of great faith. He was a man of great prayer, a man of the word. But people, when people ask me, what was his greatest quality that you saw up close that most people don't know of. I said, well, I have never met a man of God so small in his own eyes. And that's true. He was a humble man. He was small in his own eyes. So always learn to be small in your own eyes. Never be big in your own eyes or stuck up or you think that you need to uh, have a seat in the front row and you need to be recognized. No, always be small in your own eyes. If you're going to be great, be great in the eyes of God and be great in the eyes of other people. But you and I, let us be small in our own eyes. Proverbs 18 verse 12 says, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. Haughty means lifted up. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. If a man lifts himself up, exalts himself, he will face destruction. But if, if a man seeks humility, he searches humility, God is going to honor him. Philippians 2 verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself he says so philippians 2 3 says he says let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind lowliness of mind that in your mind you consider yourself lowly you know somebody there's a famous saying going around the internet it says humility doesn't mean thinking low of yourself but it means thinking high of others. That is nonsense. Humility is both things. Humility is thinking of high of others, but it is also thinking lowly of yourself. Humility is also uh, um, being lowly in your own mind. Okay, so remember that. That which you read on the internet is pure nonsense, where it says humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking more of others. That is nonsense. Humility is both. It is thinking uh, highly of others, but it is also being lowly in your own mind. It says, let, let, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem better, others better than himself, to prefer others, to consider others better than ourselves. That is humility. Proverbs 22 verse 4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So, humility, walking a humble walk, and the fear of the Lord. Walking a humble walk, walking a godly walk. If we walk in humility, we get riches and honor and life. That is a promise from the Bible. So, be small in your own eyes. So, the first thing is be a servant 
That's one of the keys to uh, being successful in the ministry. Be a servant both to God and to people. And secondly, be small in your own eyes. Have a small opinion of yourself. You know, don't, you know I, I heard of one preacher who gets up. You know, he says opening words are this before a crowd. I am an apostle. You know, look, I worked with brother, I not worked with, but I was close to Brother Hagen for many, many years. I never heard him get up and say, I'm a prophet of God. You know, walk humble, okay? Don't say, don't exalt yourself that much. Don't say high things about yourself. So it says, uh, walk, be humble, walk humble. And uh, so... Be small in your own eyes. You know, the Apostle Paul, in the beginning, in his early epistles, if you put his epistles in chronological order, it was so important. He said, I, Paul, the Apostle. I, Paul, the Apostle. But later on in life, he began to say, I'm not worthy to be called an Apostle. I'm not worthy to be the least of his disciples. And then in the end, he says, I'm the worst of all sinners. So you have to remember that the higher he went in God, the lesser he became in his own eyes. Let us remember that. That as a person goes higher and higher in the things of God, at the same time, he be also becomes lesser and lesser in his own eyes. You know why? Because he realizes that he is nothing without Jesus. And it is only because of the grace of God that he stands where he stands. You know, when I came out of Bible school, I knew everything. I had the answers to everything. But now, almost 40 years later, I realized two things. I realized how little I really know and how much I need Jesus. May God give us the grace to see that and to understand that. Walk in humility. That means be small in your own eyes. Now, <clears throat> the third, the third character, the third uh, characteristic that you have to develop in your life, and the third characteristic is uh, uh, you have to develop in is purity and holiness. Purity and holiness. Uh, in Colossians three, uh, verse five, it says, "Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication." uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which are idolatry. So he makes a list of, uh, of um, five things here, okay? So he says, um, and the word put to death, death means necru, necru means to kill. So we have to kill uh, the, these passions which are in us. So although we are born again, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, there are certain things which are in the flesh of every man. And, and the first is in the sexual area. Look, we don't want to talk about it, but that is something where, which everybody has. All men and women, they have sexual desires. And so we, we have to, uh, and, and, and sex is only permissible within marriage. Outside of marriage, it is a sin. God, the word of God does not allow it. But we will always be tempted when, it, when you're, when you're traveling. You know, one of the first things I do when I'm, uh, when I'm traveling and I'm preaching, um, you know what I do? I ask the reception, could you please shut out the movie channels? Because they've got pornographic movies there and I don't want to watch them. I don't even want to be tempted to watch something that is there. Although in principle, I'm against it. But I'm a man and I'm weak and I'm in the flesh. 
And you know when my weakest moments are? My weakest moments are, I have learned to identify them after all these years of ministry. I'm at my weakest after a meeting when I have preached my heart out, prayed for the sake, and I'm, I'm completely drained and I'm all alone. That is mine. The devil comes and he begins to play with my mind. And so I have learned that about myself. So I shut the door to the devil right from the beginning. Uh, you know, you, you, just, you just don't... Uh, uh, I mean, sometimes women come and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I don't want to talk to them. The only place I'll ever talk to a woman who needs help is here when I'm in Lancaster. And I'll always have my wife with me. Uh, otherwise, I would never, never, never meet a woman and talk to her alone. Never. Unless, you know, she's married and she had a husband with her and, or, or, or I know her family very well is my friend's daughter. Then I'll talk. You know, there are certain exceptions, but generally speaking, I am very, very careful. So, you, you, you know, you've got the sexual thing, you've got uncleanness, you've got passion. All these things are intellect together, in the, are, 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 uh, are uh, intertwined together. You've got evil desires, then you've got covetousness. So, um, you know, it's, it's basically three things that where you really, really have to watch yourself. It's uh, covetousness, which is an idolatry. It's money, it's woman, and it's people glorifying you. These are three things that are big areas of temptation. Now, everybody is not tempted by all three of them. Some people are tempted by only one of them. Some people are tempted by two of them. But these are areas where we have to protect ourselves because the calling of God is very precious. It's a holy calling. And so we have to protect the calling of God on our lives and we have to protect the anointing upon our lives. And, and then it says these things, these desires that are in you, that rise up in your flesh, you have to put them to death. You have to put them to death. And you know what? Let me just be plain with you. I have seen, I mean, I've read about uh, men of God. God has mightily used them for many, many, many years. And then they fall into one of the sins. And then you think, what, how come he could fall into this sin? Well, because w the reason we ask this question is because we think that after many years in the ministry, you develop an immunity to these things and the devil will never tempt you. That is a lie from the devil himself. He will tempt you and he will come back to you. And even our Lord Jesus was tempted in every way in which we are, but without sin. And so, and it tells us about Jesus, what he did. He says in, in his doing his walk on earth, at times he had, to, he had to cry out to God with loud cries and tears to the one who could deliver him from death. And so sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we just rebuke the devil. We curse the devil. Other times we get on our knees and we weep and cry when these things tend to over, uh, you know, threaten to uh, overwhelm us. We cry out to God, do whatever it takes to be pure. One of the things I like to do, I protect myself when I'm traveling is like overseas, I always like to have someone from my team with me. So I'm rarely, rarely alone. You will never see me spending a whole day by myself. I'm always with other people. That helps me. And then, but the good, the, but the best thing is that you are aware that these are things that the devil will use to come against you to destroy the calling and the anointing on your life. And you just have to walk in the fear of God and uh, and realize how precious that gift, that anointing is that God has on your life and that you should protect it. 
and you protect it by making a covenant with God to walk in purity and to walk in holiness. You'll never be immune to those things. They will always be there, but you and I, we can learn to walk in victory over them. Hallelujah. God bless you. Well, we will continue again tomorrow. We'll continue with the subject. And God bless you, but let's pray together. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand of mercy or calling upon their lives. Use them mightily for your glory. Jesus, be glorified in all things. We thank you in Jesus' name. Well, my friends, that's it. We will continue to talk tomorrow. God bless you.